All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Plaza Friday continues on. I'm at Sports Leader TSN 1260. How are you? Welcome back to The Gregor Show. As always, presented by Play. Alberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where, hey, you want to do NBA, CFL, NHL, you name it, they have it all. PlayAlberta.ca, including lottery. And uh, tonight, Lotto Max, $22 million. Could make a little bit of a difference in your life, I would think. Positively, I hope. Go to PlayAlberta.ca, stay within your limits. We welcome to the show... A gentleman who got roasted once and is too scared to ever participate in one again, Jason uh, Strudwick, joins us. Strudy, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. But I am, you know what, Terry Ryan, he's texting me like, are you going to be there? What's going on? Like, I, I don't, Terry, just do your own thing. I don't, doesn't matter if I'm there or if I'm not. There. I don't need you to be beaten up on me. Like, I've been beat up enough. So he can take a run at Kevin Lowe or, you know, whomever else is in there. Gene Prince, I mean, that's an easy target, too. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, Gene uh, will be in attendance or not? I'm uh, I'm not sure if uh, if he will. But even if he isn't, I do actually have a joke in regards to uh, Gene because I know he sent in a video, <laughs> bare minimum. So, yes, there will be uh, there'll be a few. Um, I know uh, Larax in town, Terry Ryan, Craig McTavish, Kevin Lowe, Kent Tilly will be there. Uh, Kathleen McGee, better known to our listeners as uh, Dr. Sarah McGee. <laughs> I don't, I've given no respect. No respect at all, buddy. Oh, gosh. Still, Dr. Sa- Sarah McGee convincing Struds that he had a lip balm addiction is still one of the favorite things we've ever done on the show. 
Oh, God. That was a, like, let's be honest. Now, you were so rattled for the first four or five minutes of that. It was amazing. I was. I was because it just it's a, it's a B-time celebrity trying to chirp me. But I'll, I'll give her this. I will give her this. She is uh, – she, she's right now doing – every day she's putting up a new dress online. And, and, and it is really good. Like, she's really funny the way she does it. I'm really impressed. But I will never – I just can't – I can't bend the knee to her. It was pretty low-hanging fruit she took a run at me with about the whole lips and then all that stuff. And luckily – I know I bet you she'd love to kiss these lips because they're so – Luscious. I've been told that by so many people, Grace. I didn't want to get. I don't want to make this about me, but it has been told. Uh, many, many people mm-hmm. have been told about it. Yeah. Oh, I know you've told them about it. I'm not sure they've actually told anybody else about it, but I know you've told them about it. Uh, that's for sure. So it is. Uh, it is disappointing, Strutty, and because uh, I do have a rule when I'm roasting. If the person's not in the room, I try not to take shots at them. I can't guarantee it, but I'll right. try not to. So, because sometimes it depends. Like if somebody sets one up and it's right there on a platter, well, you got to hit it. Right, right. You got well. You got to put them in their place, right? At some point, you got. And and everyone who's up there, they're open season. Like they are absolutely open season oh, because yeah. they're pretty. There's a lot of cockiness up on that stage, starting with well, Craig McTavish. I mean, geez, enough said. Oh, God, there's so many jokes about uh, Kevin Lowe and Mac T. Just do we have enough time to get them all in? Because I want to roast other people. That's the uh, that's the challenge, really. So this should be uh, – it'll be a lot of fun, of course. It's all in support of kids' sport. Um, there's, I know there's lots of people who bought tables that are listening to the show, so uh, thank you for that. Uh, we'll guarantee you fun. I just always like to remind people every year, it's a roast, not a toast. Okay? So Kevin Lowe's had lots of nice things said about him. Tonight doesn't have to be one. You know, outside of the intro, I'll be nice in the intro. I think that's fair. I watched a, a few roasts, and usually that's when you say the nice things at the start. And then once the roast is on, well, then it's different. So should be good. Um, uh, do you think the series is on, or is this a, just a stay of execution by Florida? What did you see from the Panthers last night that maybe gives you reason to think that they can uh, like tie this series up on Saturday? I saw a team that was desperate. They, they did everything they possibly could to get that win. And I, with I get it. Like you're trying to just get in the fight. But you know, you saw Kachukli even come back. You've seen um uh well Gudis had left and come back. The previous game Montour left and came back and then you know that that hit that he tried to make, I mean it looks like a shoulder or an arm or something, a right arm. Like they did, were doing they, they just emptied the tank to get that win. Can they repeat that? That'd be my question. Can they do that again? And you know, find the same type of luck. You think about that save with about four minutes left that, that Borowski uh, had in the game. Can they get that same kind of timing on saves and timing on their own goals to get the win? I mean, they're in it now. 2-1 is they're in it because if they win the next game, it's a best of three, and you, you know you're feeling pretty good about it. But I think that they just absolutely unloaded both barrels to get that win, um, to get back. And even when you look at the last, uh, I want to say, two and a half or three minutes. They didn't have Montour, so they put uh, ben, uh, Bennett on D. Now, I know they, they did that because they're going to pull their goalie and they put another forward out, but like without Montour on D, there's not a lot of offense back there, right? Like, Eplad's a capable offensive defenseman, but he's not staying as Montour. So it depends on what happens with Montour. Can he play again? You know, I guess time will tell. But, Grace, I felt they unloaded both barrels to get that win. I think that will be a difficult performers to repeat in game four what did you think 
Oh, it'll be hard. And and Vegas, I thought in the third period had lots of chances. They just didn't finish, right? Like when you're down two nothing. Hey, I know that everybody's talking about the Bruins, and yeah, the Bruins did it. And no, we could argue that Vancouver choked a little bit for sure. But I, you know what, Vegas still like, you know, Florida had to come from behind, started. They had to tie the game with two and a half minutes, and then they had to win it in overtime. So good for them. And I think they like last night kind of reminded me of the Miami Heat in game two. Right, they play a solid game, but right. like, like, it's almost like they played a perfect game. And I think Vegas, like the Mark Stone line, was terrible. Their line was not good, and I just don't think they'll be that bad again. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair thing, and and you know, every every game's unique. I don't, I, I feel like after talking with some people that were playing the Stanley Cup Finals, is that each game is its own animal, right? So you can't. Let's say, well, game one will carry to game two, or game two to came to game three, or what happened in game three will came in game four. But when I, when I look at it on, on the whole, it just felt like Florida, they had to do so much. They just un- did everything they could to get that win. And then, you know, even you could argue the refs tried to help Vegas get there. Like that Chandler Stevenson call with, I, I want to say, Greg's 10 minutes ago was absolutely horrendous. That was... That was an awful, awful call. And, you know, I just – I don't know how you can think that that's actually a penalty call. I don't think it was really uh, on on Barkoff. I don't think it was on um, the other D-man there. I can't think of his name right now. But I, I just – I think that was an absolute mess of a call to call that at that point. And I know that people want to have all – everybody everybody's got to be called. We've got to make it – yeah, I get it. But that's not a penalty call. I, I think that was just a, just just an awful – Awful call that they made. Forsling, Gustav Forsling, thank you. I think that was just a horrendous call they made at that time, and, and, and it was unneeded. It was an unneeded call at that moment. Well, hey, what about the Gudis penalty? Yeah. The cross yeah. check. Like, yeah, are you, that was. You know, I thought that it was, it was a tough night for the officials. It, it didn't impact the, the game as far as, the, you know, the, the obvious end outcome. But I think it was safe to say that last night was not an ideal officiating performance. That's all. No, and, you know, I think at times I feel like we're, we're we, the collective we, anyone who watches playoff hockey, the expectations are so high we want to get it right all the time. Yeah, and I don't I, expect I, it to be right all the time. No, and I and I don't think they do get it right. I don't think like if I okay, I'll be honest, with the, the, the Chandler Stevenson call that was on Forsling, in real time I thought it was Barkov's penalty. In half speed, I thought it was Forsling's penalty. At like tenth of speed, I did think it was a penalty. So if they can't see it in real time, how can we expect or if I 100%. can't see it in real time, how can we expect them to get it right hundred percent of the time? Yeah, I didn't have, you know, that one I didn't have as much of an issue with as the Gudis penalty. The Gudis one, I was just like, that was nothing. Like, you call that a cross check? Like, first of all, he barely touched him. Guys do that literally 100 times a game. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I I think when you see it, well, I I don't know. I've never refed before except when you and I did that one to four session at uh, the world's longest game, you start to see things. I think you start to see things that maybe aren't there. And, you know, I, I was actually worried for Florida. They had a lot of opportunities, and so did so did Vegas in the second period to get a power play goal, and they weren't able to do it. Like, you go over five in the power play, yeah. that is that is well below the standard you need to want to have. Like, it was actually just a mess. So I think they were lucky they got out with that in that situation. And then for the the refs, I mean, I I think there's a better referee version of themselves, but 
Again, if I can't see it in full-time or half-speed, how can we expect the refs to get it at uh, at full speed for Chandler Stevenson 10 seconds ago in the third period? Yeah. No, no, I think that's I think that's totally fair. It's well said uh, how you said it. Um, uh, a few other things, Strutty. Carter Verhege. Carter Verhege is a player who he was with Tampa Bay. He had nine goals and 13 points the year they won the uh, Stanley Cup. He played in eight of the playoff games that year when they won the Cup. Now, they were tight against the cap, even though he didn't have, like, he had nine goals in 52 games. And it's and the reason I'm using Carter Verhege, and I'm not saying that Clean Costin's going to become him, but Tampa didn't have much cap space. They didn't qualify him because nine goals in 52 games, you go to arbitrator, that's probably close to 1.7 or 8 is what the arbitrator might do. So they let him go. Uh, he elected not to sign in Tampa, and Florida scooped him up for $1 million. That's it. $1 million. Now, I can understand why teams were like, eh, you know what, the guy's played 52 NHL games. How much are we going to sign him for? It's totally fair, right? I understand it. But if you look at Ver- Carter Verhege and what he's done, because so he signed that deal uh, with uh, with Florida, it was it was a two year deal at at one mil a year. All right, so he scored in the first year. What did he score? Uh, Eighteen goals, uh, thirty six points in only forty three games. That's pretty good production. Then uh, the next year he jumps up to twenty four goals and fifty five points in seventy eight games. Now this season, in the first year of his of his new contract, which is is a solid contract for him, but it's unbelievable value four point one mil, and he scores forty two goals and 73 points. When you think of free agent signings in the last three years, can you think of one who gave a team better value? That's pretty good. That's especially when you steal it from your, um, you know, your, your, I guess, cross state rivals, right? Like to, to get them from there. I think that just makes it all the more sweeter, but you know, and, and you know, it's interesting because he's a third round pick, right? So a third round pick, how many lives does a third-round pick uh, get, or should they get? And, you know, it's like he, he was in the minors and he was still scoring quite a few goals, especially his last year in the minors. He put up 34. And then you go to your first year at the new organization, you get uh, nine, and then you have to flip over. So did did Florida get lucky, or did Florida see something or read something in the in the stats they told him what he's all about. And, I mean, that's a huge value. And I'll give Toronto credit. Kyle Dubas, he found one in Bunting. Bunting did exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, I look at Michael Bunting, and uh, he signed for, what, uh, you know, a million bucks for uh, for two years, right? So uh, so solid. But but even Bunting, he uh, you know he had 23 goals in 23. This guy had 42 straight. Right. But that's 42. not his. Is that his new contract that we got the forty-two? Yeah, did you, but he had tw- well, he had twenty-three, and and he still had more points on the uh, second year. He had twenty-four goals to, to Buttons twenty-three, right? Right, and right, um, right. fair point. And wasn't playing with Matthews and Marners exclusively, so which yeah. I do believe helps for some guys. Well, and then last night was a huge goal for him, absolutely huge goal. Now, I'm not. I'd love to talk to Aiden Hill and see like what did what did he not see there? Why did he? Why is he unable to make that save? Because that, to me, looked like a saveable puck. Yeah, I, I, the one replay Mike McKenna showed uh, was watching online. It definitely looked like the puck changed directions, right? Okay. But hey, what? Did I, and, and straight, I'm not like Bobrovsky was the better goalie last night, no question. And I've said this, like Florida to me, Aiden Hill is a guy that I still believe you can get to. 
I, I like he's not invincible. This is not like a Vasilevsky where you're like, man, even if we pepper him, we're not going to score. So uh, I would agree with you. It, that's probably a goal he would like back. I do think it changed slight direction, but you know, who knows? Maybe like I wonder does does that give Florida a little bit of of confidence in thinking, hey, we can beat this guy? Because like I like Aiden Hill. But let's be realistic here. Look at his career numbers, man. There's nothing that screams this guy should be dominating a team. Well, you just, you, yeah, you've got you to get a couple pucks past the guy, right? I think last night that shot from distance, you had Kachuk, you know, in and out of the eyes of uh, Aiden Hill. And you've got to feel good about yourself. When you're not winning, you don't feel good about yourself. Now all of a sudden, the, the, the Panthers have a reason to believe that they have a chance here. Like, why not? Why, why, did, why shouldn't they be able to get a chance to feel they've got to win now? But how much did, it, did they have to give up to get that win last night? I, I feel they absolutely unloaded every single thing they yeah. had to get that. Yeah, and you know what? The, the Vegas D, they just they insulate Aiden Hill a lot. So it's going to be hard to get to him. And I agree with you. I thought, like, to me, Florida looked a lot like the Miami Heating game, too, against Denver. Right? Like, that was a really good game for them. And I don't, I don't know if perfect game because maybe there isn't one, but they're going to have to match that exact type of game against Reds, and I think it's hard to do. And I don't think Stevenson and Stone will be as bad as they were in game four as they were in game three. No, that's fair, and that's a very fair. I mean, and, and even look at, like, the total shots on goal, I, there weren't that many. You know, like, when you when you look at it, um, you know, at one point, right, after, what was it, heading kind of midway through the second, it was like eight, five shots. So the end, of, yeah, twenty-seven and twenty-three shots. Like that's not yeah, a lot. I think, no, I think that favors Golden Knights when it's a low-scoring, lower-shooting sh- game, or lower shot total game. I think that favors Golden Knights, especially as you go into the third period. And so I, I, I don't know. It, to, for them to be that good again and that desperate, I think that's going to be a lot to talk about. A lot for them to make that happen. Yeah, um, they only had one shot in overtime, and it counted. So mm. uh, hey, it's not how many, Struddy. As they say, right? They don't ask how many. So good for uh, good for Florida. Uh, we will return. Uh, Craig Button is coming up a little bit later on. We're going to get into some uh, order talk. A lot of text about uh, clean costs, and we'll get to that and more in the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 327. Pause of Friday. Continues on. Jason Gregor Show and Emden Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Hope you're having a lovely day. It's going to be hot. Hot outside. Hydrate. Enjoy the sun, though. Put a little uh, sunscreen on. As Struddy uh, notices, the, the moat got a little burnt the other days for the Strudman, so uh, be careful. Oh. Get the sunscreen on. Definitely get the sunscreen on if you can. Let's get to the playoff report now, brought to you by Tenacor. And, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, the boys at uh, Tenacor, they have no issues. Uh, the sick flow, I know Struddy's very jealous of uh, Brad and their fellas' uh, hair down there at Tenacor. But uh, you know what? Even if you're too hot. The fire protection industry is moving to high-volume flows and large-diameter equipment. Call the team at Tenacore for high-volume water manifolds, hoses, valves, and fire monitors. Check them out, tenacore.com. That's with two N's as uh, Craig Button from TSN joins us. And, uh, Craig, the uh, the Panthers, oof, they needed a late goal from Kachuk, a big one from Verhege. They're only shot in overtime, and uh, they have made it a 2-1 series. Struddy felt like, you know, like Florida was extremely desperate. They played very desperate, and they gave everything. And I just – it's going to be a hard game to to reproduce. Is that fair? 
Yeah, it is fair, Jason. And, you know, you, you look at how well Bobrovsky played, too. I mean, you know, you, you obviously need your goaltender to play well and, and get him to make some saves when you break down somewhat. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of goaltending. And Sergei Bobrovsky was excellent in that regard. And, you know, Kachuk takes the big hit. He obviously wasn't at the same level uh, of physical capability that we see him at, but timeliness and, and, and getting into the right spots at the right time and doing the things. I mean, we, we talk about the playoffs and we talk about how hard it is to win in the playoffs. And if it was easy, everybody would do it. it it's not. And, and sometimes you don't even know what you're capable of until you get into those spots and you push yourself. I think Matthew Kachuk did that in game three. I think the Florida Panthers, you know, found a way. They're 7-0 in the, in the overtime in this year's playoffs. And Matthew, after the game, was asked and he said, well, you know, we've been there. You know, we're just going to go and play. And when you 6-0 and coming into last night's overtime, you should have confidence. You've done it before. You've been there. You know how to stay relaxed. And I think that, you know, when it was 2-1, Bobrovsky knew he couldn't give up a third goal. You know, Barbashev brings one off the crossbar, but it didn't go in the net. And that's all that matters. And I, I think that when you talk about trying to replicate that, I think it. I think it does become hard because the Vegas Gold Knights are so deep and so good. So, what does uh, Vegas take home from this this loss, and an important loss, but not a critical loss? I'd say. Yeah, you're right. Like, not a critical loss. Right, it would have been critical for Florida. You know what? What I would what I would say, Jason, is is that you have a chance now to fully seize control of, of, of the series with a game four win. Bruce Cassidy post-game talked about some of the good things they did and some of the things he liked. He also described a couple of things he didn't like. What you, I think where, where you go at is you just say, hey, listen, we've been a good team. You know, it's hard to beat a team, you know, three times in a row, let alone four times in a row. Let's, let's regroup here. Here's a couple of the things that we got to focus in on. And I, I, I thought that they didn't handle the forecheck really well early. I thought that they adjusted to that. And then you're thinking about trying to take advantage of your opportunities. I was, I don't know how you guys felt. I was really surprised when they started on the power play in the overtime. I, I thought they looked tentative. I thought that they looked like, okay, let's just go out here. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll play. And I, I don't know what – that didn't seem like the team that had scored two power play goals in each of the first three games and had a chance to really, you know – put the hammer down on, on the Florida Panthers. I, and, and I think that that also gave the Panthers a little bit of life. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I, I, I thought that, you know, if you're Bruce Cassidy, hey, listen, you know what, lock it and make sure we're a little bit better. Because they were really good in the third period. It didn't even look like Florida was going to get a sniff. And then all of a sudden it's 2-2. And then the power play opportunity. And even if you don't score, you, you might be able to – push a team and get them tired out trying to kill a penalty. I, I don't even think they were able to do that. So a couple of things that you just work on, but the depth of, of, of this Vegas team and the way they play and wear you down, I, I, I think you just got to keep reminding yourself that that's what we do well. And let's just, let's just extend it a little bit longer and, and, and push it a little bit harder. An off night for the stone Stevenson line, or did you see something that Florida can exploit in game four again? Off night, you, you, you know, you think about, you know, like how, how often do we talk about Mark Stone having an off night? And, you know, he does so many things in the game so well. And, and it was an off night for that line. And you're going to have nights where, where, where you're not at your very best. 
And and certainly, I, I think that you look at it and say, okay, if you're Bruce Cassidy, you're going, okay, these guys are really good players. They weren't at their best. Okay. Park it, park it and let's move on. And I, I, like watching them, I'm, I'm not there with them, but if I'm the coach and I'm watching what I've seen all year long, Bruce Cassidy's, I'm going, I'm not even worried. And I don't know if I have told this story previously, but I remember one night we were playing St. Louis in the playoffs and the series was two, one, Boom, Sergey Zuboff up the middle, Pierre Turzine accepts it. Series is tied 2-2. St. Louis was a really good team. Rick Wilson down in the coach's office after, he just goes, well, we don't have to worry about that for another 100 games from Zuby. Like, yeah, you knew you were in a series, but you also knew that, that how good the players were. And I think as a coach, at times you just got to just say, hey, we know what happened. We know you can be better. You know you can be better. And you've been better for, for more, a lot more times than you have, and just go do that in game four. That's what I'd be saying. Joined by Craig Button from TSN, talking all things NHL here on the Jason Gregg Show with Jason Strebrick on this beautiful Friday afternoon in the Capital Region. Uh, Craig, you know, there's a lot of rumors now about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, uh, Hellebuck out of uh, Winnipeg. How does the GM know what's right to 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 f- commit fully to turning over the roster or maybe just one or two like where where do you get the your your guidance from those types of decisions yeah and, 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 and this is a big this is a big uh, question for uh, Kevin Shadowdale Jason you, first of all I, I think what you do is is you lay out the different options if we if, if we're going to do this what does it mean if we do this what does it mean and and and, and you just try to okay what are our options and then what do each of the options deliver to us? And, and what are we ready to accept? And, you know, you think about a couple of things. Like, you know, the owner, Mark Chipman, came out, uh, you know, at the end of the year. You know, season tickets are down a little bit. The building isn't full. It wasn't full in the playoffs. Well, you know, I, know, I, do, I do lots of different things on the Winnipeg broadcast. It's not that the Winnipeg fans aren't, aren't committed or aren't passionate. They're just, they're just not in love with this team. They don't like this team. And there, and and I have family and friends there that have season tickets. They're not happy watching this game, and I don't know how you can be. And I think that the decision for for the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Shoveldayoff is okay. How do we move here? Like, okay, you, you, you're getting real data from your fan base not buying tickets, and and now you're getting real data from your team not producing results. So what do you do? And, and, and I think that you, you, you have to look and ask yourself, what, what does it mean to not have Pierre-Luc Dubois? That was a big trade. And Pierre-Luc Pierre, Pierre is a unique player. Connor Hellebuck's a Vezina Trophy-level goaltender. So what do you do? Like, what do you do there in, with respect to moving forward? Now, maybe the best time to, to, to try to move those players is, is next February, near the trade deadline. You know, those players are going to play hard going into the last year of the contract. You know that. I mean, players play hard. and But going into the last year of the contract, there's just a, maybe a little bit more uh, of a focus to make sure there's no slips at, at any point in the season. And, and I think that could be a benefit to the Winnipeg Jets in terms of a return, see where your team is at and go from there. But these are big decisions. And, you know, Minnesota, I've used the Minnesota model when Billy Guerin bought out Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, he knew that there was going to be repercussions with the cap hit and, and where it was going to affect them. And 
certainly those are coming now in the next two years. But but Bill knew that. And and that's what I mean about knowing what your options were and then dealing with it. Is it, is it easy? No, it isn't easy. But he, he weighed, okay, this is, what I, this is what I'm going to do, and here's what I'm going to have to deal with. But he said, this is what I feel will make us better. And I think that's the same thing for Kevin Shovel-Dayoff and the Winnipeg Jets. Simply put, they're, they're not anywhere where you can take them seriously. So how do you put your team in a position so you can be taken seriously? And I think there's different ways to go about it. I don't think it's about a complete rebuild. I don't think it's about completely staying with your group. But the decisions he makes in this coming summer are going to be really important for the future of the Olympic Jets franchise and Kevin Shovel-Dayoff's future. Craig Button joins us. So, Craig, Yarmo Kikalainen and obviously have felt the same way. Hey, we got to make some changes. Uh, I really like the Provorov trade a lot. Um, the Severson contract, mm, I'm out of now, admitted, I don't like eight-year deals for non-elite players when you're 29 years of age, so I'll start right there. Unless it was like a $3 million cap hit, okay. But like they gave max term to a guy who in the playoffs was playing third pair of minutes in New Jersey. Now, not by law, he's basically a number five. Obviously, he'll play more in Columbus, but I like that they acquired Severson. I just hate the contract. Where do you come out? I'm with you. It's the term. It's the term. It's the term that, 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 that to me, starts to become really concerning. You know, we see where the Columbus Blue Jackets are going. They trade for Pavorov. They, they sign Mike Babcock to be the coach. You know, last summer they get Goudreau. And, and so you're looking at a team that is not happy being where they're at. So Yarmo, you know, made some made some really significant moves with Babcock and Kovorov. But you know, and Severson helps their team. Let's like he'll help their team. But it, I'm with you. The term eight years, you know, and, and I'm not trying to like you know if you can. But like, would Damon Severson have turned out five years from the Columbus Blue Jackets? I can't answer that. But and I get maximize what you can get. But from a team point of view, you know, term becomes a big thing. Like. You know, think about this. You guys are right there. So Zach Cassian's going to be a free agent, right? And you give him a four-year deal. You tell me Zach Cassian wouldn't have taken a two-year deal? And what did the other two owners have to do? Now they got to go manage the last two years of that contract, giving up something. That's the problem with too much term. And I, I will never fault the player. I will never fault the player for trying to get as much as they can for as long as they can, ever. This is about yep. the team. This isn't about the player. This is about the team. And I, I, I'm right with you. The, the, the term is the problem there. Craig Button joins us. I'm at Sports Leader TSN 1260. Uh, Gregor and Strudwick, uh, one last one for you, Craig. We, we had a lot of people... You know, about the uh, the combine and the people saw, well, Connor Bedard is a clear number one pick. Why is he doing the VO2 test? Now, before I answer here, because for the VO2 test, basically what it does, it athletes with a higher VO2 max scores will typically have better stamina and be able to work at a thresholder for longer periods of time and won't fatigue as quickly. That's why they do the test. Um, people saying, well, there's nothing that Bedard gets out of it. I disagree. I, they're competitive. You know, you you train yourself. You want to see where you're at. I, I don't have an issue, like, with him doing If he doesn't want to do pull-ups or anything, no problem. But I don't really see an issue with him doing the VO2 max, and I actually think that's one of the few tests they do at the Combine that actually makes sense. Hey, you nailed it. It's competitive. They're competitive. They're wired competitively. How do, I, how do I compare? Am I one? Am I two? Am I six? Am I seven? I remember Ryan Nugent Hopkins in his draft year. 
you know, Colin Wilson went in there coming from college and, and all the buzz. Oh, do you see Colin Wilson? He's doing 75 bench presses and 100 pull-ups. And it's like this, right? And, and Ryan is uh, doing the bench press. And at that point in time, Ryan isn't anywhere near physically mature. And he gets in there, he tries his best, and he didn't do very many. And I remember it nudged up to him and I said, yeah, you know what, not being able to do bench presses, I think that's going to hurt you in the NHL. And he just kind of gave me a little chuckle. And it wasn't me trying to diminish the competitive part about, but the players are going to compete, and they do want to see where they're at compared to. And it also gives them a benchmark for where they're at individually. Can I improve here? How much can I improve And for the teams to do that? So, I mean, it, it, I don't think it's so much about what the VO2 max does or how good a player you're going to be. You're wired competitively to get in there and compete. And that's what those players are. They're competitors. Yeah. Great stuff, Craig. Have yourself an awesome week. We will uh, talk to you next Friday. Yeah, look forward to it. You have a great weekend, too. That's Craig Button. Joins us uh, every Friday on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Quick break. We'll return with Struds on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 3.49. Gregor, Strudwick, Connor Halley with you. Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Check it out. 22 mil up for grabs tonight. And Lotto Max. Let's get to Struds on, brought to you by G. S Construction, uh, always giving back uh, in the community. Uh, they're a huge sponsor of the uh, Kid Sport Kevin Lowe Roast. Tonight, uh, they're only wondering how uh, Taran Sandwith, their CEO's NHL career, was shorter than Kevin Lowe's coaching career. Jeez. The Jason Greger Show presents Struds On Paper Straws. I had to work so hard blowing and sucking to get that thing just to, you know, open up again. It was outrageous. Doing the dirty work. I was similar to Hagen that we're both big guys, and I didn't ever mind getting pounded. I, I mean, I didn't love it, but... His pre-med education. I was in those courses. You don't know what would happen. Let's say I would have hurt myself and I couldn't play hockey. I could be your doctor right now, Gregor. Bend over. Cough. (laughs) Turn your head. All that stuff. I'd have been right there. It's time for Struds On. Connor, that is unbelievable. What, did I really say to Gregor to bend over and cough? I don't think I said that. Did you? You must have mixed that in, Connor. Just try to block out a lot of these things. (laughs) AI is getting crazy, Struds. Oh, my God, that is unbelievable. I don't even remember saying that one, but that is a good one. Um, anyways, uh, we'll talk about playing defense. So you know, I think we're we're all trying to figure out, as we watch Vegas, it looks like move towards the Stanley Cup Championship. What did the Oilers miss? And uh, we can all agree that I think it's, it's, it's a play away from the puck, right, the defensive play. Can they get everyone from 1 through 20, well, I guess 18 skaters, she really dedicates themselves to playing D. And I got this text. This has been a while, Greg. I actually wrote this down. And the text was this. I don't remember who wrote it, but it said, you know, how do you teach a team to be defensive? Can you do it through video or on ice? And so it was a really good question. And I think that coaches have been asking themselves that for a thousand years. And I'm going to answer it this way. I think that you can show what you mean through video but at the end of the day, the guys have to feel it on the ice. You have to understand that urgency and feel how important it is at any moment to understand where the play is coming from. 
or what's going on or where, where it's going to go on. So you sit down, let's say, you know, in training camp. Training camp's obviously the most, the, the biggest part where you can incorporate some of these ideas into your team. Not that they weren't, I'm not suggesting Jay didn't put these into his team earlier, but you're like, okay, guys, we're going to take a look at this and figure it out. So you show, um, let's call it the three biggest areas you want to improve. And that's maybe, I think one area they can improve is where their D-men are facing their toes. If your toes are facing past the goal line when the play is down there, I think that's really hard. Then maybe it's uh, pinching and let's call it the high guy. Those, those are three areas. I'm just picking those off the top of the desk, but let's just use those for now. So you show them. And you show them through video where it, guys did it wrong and where guys did it right. You're not picking on player A, B, or C. You're just showing in general. Then you go on the ice and you institute drills where it shows that. And I think, you know, one really good way is doing that three-on-three three below the top of the circles. Another way would be doing five-on-five, five, just one end. You know, we don't, you don't have to worry about defending the rush. We're not, we're not – I mean, if that, they feel that's an area, okay, then you can work on that. But put them in positions where they really have to look at defending in those specific spots. And so what a coach can do in three-on-three, three, you rim the puck around so a guy gets it below the net, and now the demon have to react – in the appropriate manner you want them to because the puck's where the, you, behind the net and they have to react from where that is. And you just keep doing it over and over and over again so that the players understand. And you correct. Hey, Strutty, your toes are facing the wrong way. Hey, Strutty, you were looking at the high guy. Or hey, whatever, Greg, you're the center. You weren't looking at the guy they need to be looking at. And you just keep doing it over and over and over again until it becomes a habit. And it can become an honest. There's no doubt about it. But we're talking, and Greg, you and I have said this before, you're talking with the last 5% of of their journey as a team. We're not talking about, you're not looking at the Montreal Canadiens where they need, you know, three top six players, you know, centermen and demon, all this stuff. You're talking about the team they have dialing on these specific things. So really good question by a texter. And again, this text was like, I want to say four, four weeks ago. I believe, yes, you can introduce the idea on video, Greg's, but ultimately it's got to be done on nice with rep- repeating drills you do it over and over and over again so that uh the guys really get dialed in understand and and i've talked about and i'll i'll pick on one guy bouchard so he starts hearing that alarm bell going off in his head saying man my toes are facing the wrong way or man i'm not looking at the right guy or man i gotta be doing this bang they figure it out and then you go from there so in yeah i really like how you broke that down about how you know, you, you can watch it, but eventually you have to feel it, right? So you're putting in the theory, but then there's the practical part of it. And theory and practicality, anybody out there, depending on what they study in, doesn't always go as planned, right? You can understand the theory doesn't mean you can implement how it really goes. So you can watch the video. Yeah, I should be here. But now all of a sudden you're in a game, especially one that's as quick as the NHL, where because if you looked at, I think it was White Cloud on the one play uh, on the game. He's probably out of position, Strutty. He got to the corner. We're talking like three, four inches, like not a massive amount, but the difference where now you're not in the lane. And and even if Petrangelo, because I know I saw people, ah, they should have Petrangelo out there. Well, if you actually watch, White Cloud's on the ice in the final minute a lot of the time. Coaching staff really trusts him. And even if Petrangelo is on there, none of us can guarantee that he would for sure be that small distance over. Right, because sometimes it's a feel, and sometimes study. And you played; you would know that you do things right, and and even though you read the play right, you somehow just take a small little adjustment of a different angle that opens up six or four inches to the opposing team, and that's game over. Well, what what happens is that when you when you go through, uh, 
your career. Unfortunately, when you're younger, oftentimes it's a goal before you even know that you're in the wrong place. Right? You're just you're just on the right place, and the guy gets open. I, I remember when I was younger, um, not to go back in time, but Brett Hall in the power play. I thought I was in the right place. Brett Hall moves slightly, like I'm talking five feet away from where I thought he was, got a wide open shot and scored. I came to the bench, and uh, our assistant coach was like, buddy, you were in the right place. And so we went back and watched the video that night, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like I thought I was in the right place, but I didn't double check. So you're always double yeah. checking where he is because smart forwards continue to move. So you can then as you get older, what can happen is that you, you realize before the tr- before it even like it can be a pass let's just go power play. It goes from the half fall down the goal below the goal the guy below the goal line, and then you pop it up to a guy who's maybe in the slot. And before that puck even leaves the stick off the half fall, you're like, I can feel it coming, I gotta move. And that's when you're really in the zone. Now, I'm not saying I was always in the right place because I wasn't. But I can at least sense the trouble, right, coming before it even came. Whereas as a younger player, you wouldn't even move. It'd be pass down, pass up, goal. So you've really got to try to keep developing that sense in your players. And they have to see it and be over it so you can see the trouble before it begins. I'll watch a hockey game and I'll see it. I'll see trouble coming like five, ten seconds before, not because I'm a genius, but because I've seen it hundreds, if not thousands of times, a play develop, both offensively and defensively. Now, offensively, it's hard for me to create those things, but I can still see it from defensive part, being like, oh my God, like, Gregor and Strauber are in the wrong place. And sure enough, it ends up in the back of the net, or it's a great chance. So you just want to give these guys as many chances you can to get in those places. And that's from nurse right down to whomever's their sixth or seventh or eighth defenseman next year, and just keep putting it on, putting it on, and keep reminding them, keep talking about it, show the video. And again, it's not because Greg's, I want to beat him up. Oh my God, Greg, you're the worst player in the league. It's because you want them to, to start sensing that problem or something. There's a problem here. I'm in on the right place, or what are they creating here? Um, it doesn't mean they're going to be perfect, but even if they remove... I don't know, Greg's. How, how many how many five on five goals do they have to remove in that second round series for the Oilers to be taking that to a game seven? It's not it's not like that to take ten out. Are oh we gosh, talking no. two, no, three. Take out the second period, right? Like okay. and take so out like many, three minutes of the second okay. period. That's what was crazy about it. Yeah. So so let's if I said three goals, three even even three five on five goals against. And maybe the Oilers stay at that to a game six or game seven. So just think about all the goals that got scored on this year. We're talking about a small number. And I know people say, well, it's just a really small sample number. I get it. But over the year, we saw it. We saw those plays happen over the year. And you have to keep reminding the guys. And, and you don't think that Vegas do the same thing with their players? You don't think that Florida's done it with their players or Dallas or Carolina? Like, they're all doing it. It's over and just reminders constant. And that's why I think that veteran defensemen are so valuable. You know, you talk to NHL players, they like they like veteran defensemen because they've seen it all and they've been in those right places. They know what it looks like, know what it feels like. Look at Matthias Ekholm. He, 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 people are like, oh, he's so smart. Yeah, he, he, I don't doubt that he's a smart guy, but he's seen it so many times. So he puts himself in the right position. So that's when I'm looking at this team, um, kind of got off track a little bit, but it is the repeat behavior of it. And I, if I'm Jay Woodcroft, this is number one I'm hammering on through training camp, and I'm going to try to touch on as much as I can in practice. Even if you're going well, even if you feel you haven't had a problem, keep working at it. Keep getting those guys in there so they can see those reps and feel it and start feeling that trouble. 
Struds, uh, we'll take a quick break because i got uh, some text uh, emails I want to get to uh, you answer coming up in the uh, next hour. But first, we'll get to the uh, con man and a sports center update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer at legacyheating.ca.